Well, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Okay, left side, strong side. How we doing, everybody? Okay, all right. And all right, everybody together, how we doing? Come on, man. We got to rejoice. We're in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for worshiping with us today. And like Pastor Ben said, I'm excited to start this new series. Seriously, God has filled my heart with so much faith, so much expectancy. And that is the goal of these next three weeks is to release faith inside of your heart, this expectancy that you are going to encounter the living God. Amen. Come on, somebody, that you are going to encounter the living God, all right? So, hey, listen, crazy fact now, all right? After Jesus resurrected, it was two weeks ago we celebrate Easter, but after he resurrected for 40 days, he was on the earth showing up to different people. Why not to us? Come on, somebody. Why not to you, right? He says I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's no respecter of persons. So that's why I want to build this faith in your heart, this expectancy that the king is going to show up, maybe in your bedroom, maybe at work, maybe trip you out inside of your car, but going to show up and encounter you. And we're going to talk about what happens over the next three weeks as we are encountered, all right, by God or we encounter God. Are you with me? You guys good? So, hey, when he showed up to people, and, and even after the, uh, the, the, the 40 days after he showed up, um, I love this about Scripture, all right, because, like, I'm, I'm, I try to be super practical. So Jesus shows up, check this out, guys, now, fun fact, in a resurrected body. What does that mean? That body is never going to get old. That body is good for eternity. That means we all going to get one, right? Come on, somebody. That is the hope that's laid up for us. That once we leave this earth, we have a brand new body that will never get old. Come on. Are you with me? Isn't that great? Like no more pain in your knee. All right. No more issue. All right. No more fallen world. But we're going to have a resurrected body that won't get old. But this is the thing that trips me out is when Jesus resurrected in his glorified body, in his new body himself, he was eating food. Am I the only one that sees this? He was eating food. So what are we worried about right now when we eat with these bodies? Yeah, I can only eat so much Haagen-Dazs, all right? You can only eat so much potato chips because this is not good for you. But in heaven, you can eat as much as you want to, and it's going to be all good. Are you with me? I guess y'all don't read it like me, huh? Y'all don't read it like me. Hey, Jesus was eating fish and bread, all right? I'm going I'm, to I'm tell him in heaven, I want chicken and waffles. I'm going to be like, look, I want chicken and waffles. And you know how when you eat waffles, you know, you do the syrup. You're like, extra syrup on my waffles. Yeah. Hook it up. So, hey, this is a trip, too. Now, when he showed up after the resurrection, people didn't recognize him. Like, he showed up the first day with Mary Magdalene. Come on, ladies. That's the first person he showed up to. All right, yeah, them worshiping women, right? He showed up to Mary, but she thought he was the gardener. And then he showed up to these two disciples on the road to uh, Emmaus, and uh, they, they didn't recognize him until they was, he was eating. He broke bread, and they were like, oh, snap, that's Jesus. He showed up to Peter and the apostles, and they didn't, they didn't recognize him until he showed himself and they encountered him. But this is what's interesting to me, and this is what I want to share with you even as we open up, is that Jesus wants to show himself to you in a personal way because it is a relational thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
he was demonstrating himself to different people in different ways to show them that from now on, this is going to be a relationship. And I want to make sure that you recognize this, and I'm doing this for you. And he's going to do it for us. Are you with me? You guys pumped? Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited for what God is going to do over these next few weeks. Um, I would love to hear about it and, and, you know, do testimonies and hear about it because I really believe this with all my heart. All right, he's going to wreck our world, okay? Amen? I mean, so get your message notes out. Um, I know you guys take great notes, all right? And we're going to kick off in the book of Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1, and it says, All that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. This is a prayer, I believe, for all of our hearts, is that God would open the heavens and come down. This is the encounter. The mountains represents different people groups, all right? And this is what happens when you encounter God. There is going to be a shaking, all right? There's going to be a shaking from the aspect of, oh my God, I'm in the presence of God and he's revealing himself to me. But at the same time, there is a shaking, so there's an establishing. I'm going to say it again. There's a shaking because God removes things all right, that can't be shaken no more, so he establishes at the same time. Are you with me? So he wants us to encounter him, all right? He wants to do something to us. Are you with me? So three things on the front side of this message that I want to talk about that happens when you encounter God. And the first thing that happens is that he marks you, okay? There's something that happens where God marks you for the rest of your life, like a tattoo that you can't get rid of. He's going to mark you for the rest of your life. In 1 John 1, 3, it's from the Amplified Bible. It talks about the fellowship that we have with the Father and with the Son. It's a distinguishing mark. I'm going to say this another way, all right? God's going to bring you into his presence. That's fellowship. He's going to bring you into a place over this next season where he's going to do something unique and reveal himself to you that he marks you for the rest of your life. I remember one time I was going to eat with a brother of mine, and we both felt we got to the place we was going to eat that we should not eat and fast, just lunch, all right? Come on, somebody. Yeah, just fast lunch, all right? So we went and we fasted lunch that day, and he went and prayed, and I went and prayed in two separate locations. My life was forever changed. I was on my knees praying with my eyes closed, and I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord on a cross with my eyes closed, what you call a spiritual vision, and he was looking down at me, and he said, Howard, I did this for you. That was 20 years ago. It forever marked my life. Do you hear what I'm saying? I shared it with some people, and it, like, scared them. All right, does Jesus still do that? Yes, he does. Do you hear what I'm saying? And he wants to always reveal himself to encounter you, to mark you, so that it does something to you. The second thing it does is God's encounters change us. Something that happens on the inside. And the Apostle Peter talked about this. This is by the exceedingly great and precious promises. We become partakers of God's divine nature. So listen, inside of this season, there's a step that God wants you to take. And that step is he wants you to eat his word. Come on, somebody. He wants you to eat those promises, what he calls precious the exceedingly great and precious promises, because this is what happens. Watch this, guys. Look at me for a minute. I can be reading the Word one day, and the encounter might be where God opens up one of the promises. 
And as he opens up the promise, something happens on the inside of me. And I'm encountering God. I might not see nothing with these physical eyes, but there's a revelation going on the inside of me that begins to change me. And I begin to partake of his divine nature. I appreciate it. My, my, my right side of it is helping me out. My, my left side needs a little bit more faith. In Jesus' name. Appreciate you, right side. <laughs> they still sitting on that whole glorified body and can eat all they want to. Yeah. <laughs> they just like, they, they think about all the food they can eat in heaven. Yeah, I'm having me a big old deep freezer, walk-in deep freezer. <laughs> yeah, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Get over here back in the spirit with me, all right? So it changes us. And one of the other things it does is it prepares us. All right? An encounter with God prepares us. Psalms 141, 44, verse 1. It says, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who prepares, or excuse me, he gets my hands ready for battle and for war. God gets me ready. And this is what an encounter does. All right? Listen to me. God has an assignment for you that he prepared before the foundation of the world. It's one of the most enormous revelations in Scripture. The Bible talks about there was before time, God sat down and thought about you. God knew that man would fall and wouldn't ball man up and start over. And God would begin to write all of us inside of the plan to bring redemption to the world. Jesus would settle everything and then he would give all of us an assignment within the redemption of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us have a massive, not a small, a massive role when it comes to the redemption of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and what happens is in an encounter, it does something to me, and God begins to show me, wow, he did this with the Apostle Paul, you know, and he actually did it, and he used somebody else. He used this other disciple named Ananias, and he told him, I want you to go talk to this guy named Saul, and he says, no, that dude's killing people, and he says, no, 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 he's changed, but I've called him to do this, and God's encounter might come through someone else speaking into your heart to begin to talk to you about the greatness that God's called you to do. And as great as God used the Apostle Paul, God used this dude named Ananias praying on his knees to begin to release vision and an encounter inside of his life. Let me say it another way. Open your ears when you get around, all right, the peeps around you because God is always wanting to talk to you and speak to you about destiny. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't dismiss something from around you, all right, because that could be the greatness that begins to take you into the next season of your life. So it marks us, all right? It changes us, and it begins to prepare us. These are some of the things that an encounter does with God, all right? And there's so many incredible stories. One of the stories that I love in Scripture is the one of Moses at the burning bush. Isn't that crazy? Hey, anybody got a car they want to get rid of? You could ask the Lord. You're like, hey, won't you burn my car up? Kind of like, meet me. All right. You just burn the bush up. Talk, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I get the insurance money. You can help me out, Lord. Like, that pastor crazy. He done lost his mind. That dude done lost his mind. Yeah. So you know what's interesting about the story with Moses is that when Moses encounters God in that burning bush, a lot has transpired in his life. There was a bad Pharaoh who was killing babies. His mama and his daddy saved him by sending him down the river, all right? Pharaoh's daughter raised him up in the palace. He was raised in the palace, watch this, to be a general, 
for the army of Pharaoh. As he came of age, he says, no, 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 I'm going to actually go with my people. And that's what his heart was to do was go with the Israelite people. And then he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite and he kills him. And when he kills him, he hides him. And then he starts to hear this rumbling that people knew about it. So he takes off in fear, thinking that this is known. Now my neck's going to be on the line. And this is where you pick up the narrative, which is very interesting. He's out of the will of God. He's done killed somebody. And he's working for his father-in-law doing this nine-to-five job. And then God shows up in the midst of all that. I want you to hear me on this. Like God's encounters has nothing to do with you or how good we are operating. All right, we can be completely out of the will of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like I could be so in left field and God says, you know what? I'm going to show up and I'm going to get you back where I want you at. Do you hear what I'm saying? This so ministers to me because this is what happened in my life. I was so far left and God showed up and it radically changed my life. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Because sometimes we read about these people in Scripture and we're just like, you know, hey, God did that. But we don't realize that they were going through some of the same crisis and issues as us. And God shows up, radically changing their life. You guys ready? That's so good, right? So over the next three weeks, I want to focus on three specific stories. All right. And I want to pull some things out of those stories that I believe is going to build faith inside of our heart. All right, and it's also going to help us to take steps. So I'm going to talk to you about a guy named Jacob. All right, and uh, Jacob, even his name, dude kind of got a bad rap. All right, because Jacob, he was a twin, and his brother was Esau. And when they're born, Esau comes out first, and he's grabbing the heel of his brother. It's kind of an interesting fact, right? You know, and they, they in, in Hebrew culture, they would circumcise the male on the eighth day, on the eighth day, the number eight in Scripture's New Beginnings, and that was a sign of they was in covenant with God, but they would wait for the child to develop some, to name the child, so that the child's name would always prophesy over the child. So what's interesting is that they begin to, they gave him a name that began to prophesy some bad things over the child. You'll see later that Jacob did some things that actually reflected his name, but it could have been because he might have been tagged with something that really wasn't him. Are you with me? You got to be careful what you put certain names on. You see what I'm saying? Because you begin to prophesy about things, and it might not happen right then, but it begins to actually create a path in the spirit, and I'll end up working my way back into that path. And I'm like, how did I get here? Because I put certain names on things. Are you with me? Come on, I'm doing way better than y'all giving me back. Come on now. So Jacob grows up, and uh, as he grows up, he, um, he has a lot of, really, to be honest, he has some really cool encounters with God. But picking up inside of this narrative where we're going, he had done got married. Um, he kind of got tricked by his father-in-law. And uh, we're coming to this story right here in Genesis 32, and this will be up on the screen. So it's a lot of reading right here, so bear with me, okay? So Genesis 32, beginning in verse 22, it says, and he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford of uh, Jacob, Jabbok, excuse me. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent them over what he had. 
then Jacob was left alone. Really what he was doing was he was scared. He was diversifying his portfolio. He was, he was spreading the people out a little bit because he's running from his father-in-law and he's heading into something. I'll talk about that in a minute. It says, then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now you'll notice, I don't know if it's up on the screen, but man is capitalized. All right? And man is capitalized up there in Scripture because in, in theology, what this is called is a theophany. And it is, a, it is God showing up in the flesh in the Old Testament. All right? This is Jesus showing up in the, in the flesh in the Old Testament. So this, to me, this is funny right here because he, he's wrestling with Jesus. Okay? I mean, come on, give me a break. You know what I'm saying? Give me a break. It's almost like he's just holding his hand there on his head, and he's just like, all right, you know, take your best shot. You know what I mean? Like he's playing with him and stuff, you know? So he, he, he's wrestling with him until the breaking of the day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Notice we sang that song. And... Um, Jen spoke about this before we sang. It was, it's literally a prophecy over us that God always, always has his blessing on you. In the Old Testament, I'm going to chat about this in a second, it is the empowerment to prosper. That's what it is, okay? It is God's hand upon you. And this is what Jacob had did and how he tricked his brother is he tricked him out of the blessing. And it's such a big deal. And in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, Jesus said this. He says, wait until Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit's poured out. And he called it the promise of the Father. I'm going to say this another way. The Holy Spirit on you is the Father's hand on you. And he says, all of my kids are empowered to prosper every day. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let me, let me lean into this just for a minute. I'll get back to the, to the story. The Holy Spirit, all right, is a person who lives with you, in you, and he's on you. Nobody can figure that out, all right? Nobody understands that, how God can be in you and on you like this shirt, okay? But he is a person who has a personality, and he wants a relationship with you. And he is the key. He is the key to the blessing. He is the blessing, but he's the key for us walking out the fullness of the prosperity that Jesus paid for, all right? And that's not just financial. That's all areas of your life. Are you with me? So spend time with him. Have a conversation with him. Talk to him like he's sitting in a chair. Okay? Are you with me? Is that kind of weird? It's okay. All right? It's okay. Yeah. But have a conversation with him. Seriously. And begin to build that narrative. All right? And watch what begins to happen with your job. Watch what begins to happen with your boss. Watch what begins to happen with some of the different things in your life as he begins to communicate, hey, I would do this. <laughs> I got you. You hear what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Let's get back to the narrative. He said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He said, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. The biggest thing that happened is God took that tag off of him. When he encountered God, he took that tag off of him because his name actually meant like he's a deceiver. Could you imagine calling your child a deceiver? You're always a deceiver, and that's what was prophesied. And God changes his name to where now he would be called the prince of Israel. He would be called the royalty of heaven. And this is every one of God's kids' identity, and it is who you are right now as a child of God. 
There's a scripture in 1 John 3, 1 that says, Behold, what manner of love he has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons and daughters of God. You have royal blood flowing through your veins because of Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like when you were born again, the moment you accepted Jesus in heaven, I don't have a pen on me, but your birth certificate said they are royalty. That's what your birth certificate in heaven says. Your name is written, what scripture says, in the Lamb's book of life. All right? Your birth certificate in heaven, it says you're royalty. That's who you are right now. That's why it's so important to understand the blessing. Because God says, I bless my kids. And I want them to walk as royalty in the earth. To make an impact in the earth. Are you with me? Amen. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? He blessed him there, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. I've seen God face to face. This is what God wants to do over the next few weeks, all right? Watch this. And for the rest of your life. The goal of this series is to build faith inside of your heart that you will come into a face-to-face encounter with God. Do you hear what I'm saying? That you yourself will be marked, that you'll be changed, that you'll be prepared like never before as you encounter him. And like what I said earlier, when he resurrected and he was showing himself to Mary and to Peter and to Thomas and all the different people, he was revealing himself differently because he was taking them through those three things. He was marking them. He was changing them and he was preparing them for greatness that the world needed. Do you hear what I'm saying? And this is what God wants to do. You guys excited? There's a handful of things that we can learn from this story right here, all right? I want to bring out three points, okay? The first point I want to bring out, hard spots or setups. <laughs> hey, look at somebody and say, a hard spot's a setup. Man, come on, man. That was weak, man. Hey, look at your name and say, a hard spot is a setup. Hey, real talk, we run from that now, all right? We're going to run from that hard spot, but a hard spot is a setup for an encounter with God. Yeah. Nobody likes it rough. No, nobody likes it rough, but a hard spot is a setup. So watch this. In this story, one of the things I didn't say was Jacob got, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. Jacob was engaged in this girl named Rachel, and Rachel wasn't the firstborn. So he goes to marry Rachel, and that night, the father-in-law sent his oldest daughter in on the night of their wedding. It sounds like Jacob had a little bit too much of that, you know what I mean? Yeah, he drank a little bit too much wine or something partaking at the wedding feast. But he wakes up with Leah, and now he works for seven years. His father-in-law says, you got to work for seven years before you can have Rachel. So then he works seven years, and then Rachel, he marries Rachel, and then he worked seven more years. He ends up working 20 years for his father-in-law. That's why you can say he got up in the middle of the night and he just took off and left. He's like, man, this dude's out of his mind. That's like doing time. He's like, I'm out of here. So he leaves and he takes off. And really, to be honest, the narrative is his father-in-law, LeBron, LeBron. I said LeBron, didn't I? LeBron. <laughs> 
is Laban, <laughs> Laban, LeBron. He's running from LeBron. He's heading to face Michael Jordan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he took off and he left, and Laban is chasing after him. He's like, he done took off my daughters. So he's leaving this, but he's also got to deal with his brother Esau. Now, when he was being raised, Esau was supposed to get the blessing from his daddy Isaac. And he has some help from mama now. Mama's always going to help them kids out, right? And got the switch on the kid that was supposed to get the blessing. So Jacob ends up getting the blessing. So he's got to go face Esau. And Esau's got like 450 dudes with him. Like, where do you go? But he's in the middle of that when he has this wrestling match with God. Do you hear what I'm saying? This same thing happened with Moses. After Moses had that encounter, he goes to Pharaoh. God releases the children of Israel. He's heading out of Egypt, and he's going the direction that God gave him. And he's got a mountain on the left, a mountain on the right, and he's got water in front of him, nowhere to go. And he's got an army behind him. He's got nowhere to go. God brought him right into a hard spot, and this is where God taught him something, and he encounters God. God says, lift up your rod. He lifts it up, and the water breaks in half. And not only was he free, but he freed all those people. Do you hear what I'm saying? God leads us into a spot, not so it's hard. He wants to do something inside of us. He wants to demonstrate to you who you are. Sometimes we don't know who we are until we get inside of a challenge. Now, sometimes some stuff's got to be shaken off. Are you with me? But God never shames us. All he's doing is he's settling us. Some stuff might shake off. Some stuff might come out. But then it settles me, and the whole time God's teaching me. All right? He's teaching me about who I am and the direction he's called me to go. Appreciate you. Got to work on this side over here. Got to work on this side over here. Second thing we can learn from this story is God wants you to be gritty. Should you hear me on this, okay? God wants you to be gritty, all right? God's called you, all right, as a king, and he's called you as a priest. Or he's called you as a queen, he's called you as a priest. That means God's always called you to conquer, to have dominion, and to push through, okay? One of the things that you see in this story is he's tussling and he's wrestling and he won't let go. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's things in life that God wants you to fight for. And the biggest principle that I want to release today to you is this right here. God wants you to fight when it comes to prayer. God wants you to be a person that is known by prayer. There's going to be so many people in heaven that are going to be the biggest heroes. Now, in heaven, there's no sin, so there's no comparison in heaven, all right? But the ones that get those thrones around Jesus, I believe they're going to be the ones that was behind the scenes praying. It's not going to be the dude like me on the stage with all the lights. Real talk. It's going to be the ones behind the scene who is paving the way. The ones that stay up late and get up early. The ones that won't quit, they're going to have the greatest honor in heaven because they're the ones that make it happen. You know what I mean? It's a culture of prayer. A culture of prayer is not me praying every day. A, listen, that's a discipline. 
a culture of prayer is when it becomes a lifestyle. That all I'm doing is, yeah, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to hang with Jesus, I'm going to have my coffee, I'm going to get my quiet time. But throughout the day, he's always on my mind. He's on my mind to where I have this friendship with him where he can say, hey, hey, I need you to turn aside for a minute. Or, hey, you know what, today at lunch, let's skip lunch for a minute, let's go chat for a minute. I need you to help me on another side of the earth. There's an issue, I'm going to use you. Do you hear what I'm saying? He wrestled all night long. This season right here, God's going to ask us, okay? I might ask you to stay up late. I might ask you to get up early. But you're going to encounter him face to face. He's going to do something so unique with you. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's going to be unique with you. One thing God does not do is God never disappoints. He does not disappoint. All right? Are you with me? All right, last one. It says, you are called to impact this world. You are all called to impact the world. But you are called to impact your world. So I mentioned this before, that when he wrestled with God, he says, what's your name? He says, Jacob. God did something unique, and God changed his name. This is the beginning of the nation of Israel right here. This right here. This encounter is the beginning of the nation of Israel. Where God changes his name. It, it's, it's so big. Let me say it this way. Something will happen in the presence of God in these encounters that you might not figure out in your lifetime. Let me explain. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. From Israel came 12 tribes. From 12 tribes, there was one tribe named Judah. From Judah came Jesus Christ that changed the world. He had no idea the greatness that was going to happen when God encountered him in this moment. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, there's going to be an impact that God uses you in your time. But it's so much bigger than even the frame of time that we have on the earth. There's things that you will pass on to the next generation. There are things that you will have in this encounter that you can give to the next generation. So in this season, I want to encourage you, all right? Look, stick that neck out. Stick that neck out. Be expecting to hear, to see. Be expecting, all right, for God to give you some instructions. Even as Moses saw the burning bush, it says, he said, let me turn aside that I may see this. There's an expectation from God that when you have an encounter, that you turn aside. And I even believe that we, we already have the step to turn aside and God's asking us, come closer in prayer. Come closer in prayer. Linger in my presence like Mary did on the day that Jesus was resurrected. The apostles ran to the tomb. Mary already told them. They look inside. They leave. Mary stays. Mary lingers. Come on, ladies. Mary stays, and as she stays, Jesus shows up. Peter didn't see him. John didn't see him. I actually used both of those guys on the front side of my message. It was Mary that lingered and saw the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? So in this season, as we begin, all right, in encounters, just stay longer. Yeah, stay longer. You know, prayer is not a religious thing. 
You can talk to him, but watch this also. You can just be quiet in his presence. Just be quiet. I'm here, Lord. I just love to be in your presence. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so relational. Guys, go and stand with me. Go and stand with me. So today I want to pray for you. But I want to begin with this. If you came in today and you've never encountered Jesus as far as Savior, that means you don't know for certainty that if you left today, all right, you don't know that Jesus is inside of your heart. You don't know if you lay your head on the pillow tonight, you'll wake up in heaven. Every head bowed, every eye closed. It's a holy moment. I want you to raise your hand with me. All right? Be bold. If you've never made Jesus your Savior, raise your hand with me. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you up. I just want to pray with you. And today you'll know that Jesus is your Savior, your Lord, and heaven is your home. Amen. So everybody, I want you to pray out loud with me. All right? Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sin. And I choose you as my Savior. Help me on this journey. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give it up. Come on.